The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began to look at the helmet of salvation. This helmet of salvation is extremely important because it protects the head. We were beginning to see that the helmet of salvation is really a helmet of the hope of salvation. The salvation that's under consideration there is not necessarily just the eternal salvation that we've had since before the foundation of the world, but it's that portion of our eternal salvation that is pointing us toward the resurrection. You see, the resurrection is the ultimate hope of every child of God. And if we can keep that hope of salvation, that hope of eternal redemption of our bodies in our view and focus upon that, we can deal with the spiritual battles of life in a much better way. Join us today as we conclude our discussion of the helmet of salvation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
we've talked about the thorny ground a lot lately over there in the parable of the sower and the seeds. That's where I tend to spend a lot of my time. I'm, I'm sidetracked by the things of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I need to be saved from that. Paul said, Peter said rather, save yourselves from this untoward generation. That un, word untoward there means crooked. You know, I need to be delivered. I need to be saved from what I read in the newspapers and online and what I see on the TV. I need to be saved from that. I need hope, you see. Hey, some, some of us, some people are sick. Some people have sickness in their lives. Some people are struggling with grief. Some people are struggling with troubles in their families. Some people are struggling with troubles within their, uh, their home even. And they're having all these things. They need to be delivered. You see, hope saves us. Hope saves us. How does it save us? Well, let's talk about that. Hope saves us. Because it reminds us that while we may feel like we're not going anywhere here in this life, child of God, you are going somewhere. You may feel like you're spinning your wheels. You may feel like you're not getting anywhere, like a hamster in, a, in one of those rings that he just runs and runs and runs and it's just spinning. I feel that way sometimes, but see... What saves me from that despair, from that stress, from that being downcast like that, is when I remember that no matter what I see around me, I am going somewhere. You see, we're talking about the spiritual battle out here, and we need to have confident soldiers. A confident soldier is a powerful soldier. A fearful soldier is a loose, useless soldier. And the more hope we have, the better soldiers we will be. So remember what we said, the helmet of the hope of salvation, it protects, it protects the head. That's what that Roman helmet did. It covered the head and even down some on the shoulders and back of the neck. And that's what the helmet of the hope of salvation does for us. First of all, it gives us a right worldview. <laughs> I tell you, beloved, the worldviews that are out there now, they are so messed up. We were talking about something yesterday in the way that uh, dealing with a particular situation that's even, and I'm not talking about in New York City, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, across the pond in England and Europe. I'm talking about in our own communities. There are people struggling with the philosophies of this world. But the helmet of hope will give us the right worldview. You see, it has to do with our mind. Think about, think about all the worldly philosophies out there. Think about, you know, materialism. Materialism. What does materialism say? Materialism says that matter is God. Stuff is God. Matter is all that exists. Life is either meaningless or life is only what you make of it. There's no God, no eternity, no afterlife. And salvation consists of living as long as you can, grabbing as much as you can, and living as well as you can. Humanism. Humanism says man is God. Man is all that matters. It's a humanistic worldview which attaches prime significance to the value and the goodness of human beings rather than the divine. It seeks a solely rational way of approaching this world and the problems that are in it. And all morality under the humanistic worldview, all morality is based on human nature and experience without any reference to God or any supreme being whatsoever. Salvation under that plan that worldview is essentially just climbing up the food chain as high as you can get getting to higher and higher 
realms of evolutionary glory. <laughs> That's what humanism teaches. What about pantheism? You say, we don't have that anymore. The Hindus and the Buddhists do, and people like that uh, in other parts of the world. And the pantheist says everything is God. Everything is God. There's the tree, the earth, the sky, the rocks, you and me. We're all part of one universal cosmic spirit, universal God. We're all God. Matter's just an illusion. The only real reality is spirit. Uh, the Hindus and the Buddhists teach that, that life is just a circle. It goes round and around forever and ever. And, and we're all just, uh, you know, the way we live now will determine how we come back. will determine our karma. <laughs> And how we come back one day. So based on the way I've been living recently, if that's true, I'll probably come back as a cockroach or something based on my evaluation of the way I've been. Now, if I can get a little better, maybe I can come back as, you know, Elon Musk or somebody like that that's got a lot more money than I got. But see, salvation in that scheme of things is achieving nirvana. That is, that is blending back in with a cosmic nothingness out there, the cosmic consciousness. Our identity will be wiped away, but we'll get out of this rat race and this circle. You see, I mean, what a, what a sad sort of salvation. Basically, we'll quit being who we are. Atheism says nothing is God. Agnosticism says, I don't know if there's a God. But see, Christianity says this. It gives you the right worldview. Christianity says God is God. God is God and beside him there is no other. He is the creator God. He's the God who created everything and everything was created for him. And every single one of his children whom he created will one day be with him. He is the Savior God. Listen to what he says over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1 gives us about as good a... About as good a summation of the hope that we have as you'll find anywhere in the word of God. First Peter chapter one, just beginning in verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Eponus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the father. You can't get away from that old doctrine of election. Can you <laughs> praise God for that? Through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. A, see, that word lively hope there just means it's a living hope. It's not some dead hope. It's not some dead philosophy of the world. It's a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us hope for our own resurrection. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he's the first fruits. You know what the first fruits does? It secures the rest of the harvest. And he is, it's his resurrection that gives us hope when we go to the graveside to bury a loved one. And when we realize that we will have no more contact with that person here in this life, but we understand that that's not the end. You know, the most basic iteration of the gospel, something that even a child can understand, is we will see them again. I, I, I hear this, I've heard this brother Tim, my brother, tell this story that occurred when our great-grandmother Crowley, Miss, my great-grandmother Crowley, who lived with my grandmother McCool until she died, she passed away when Tim was about five or six years old. 
And Tim was particularly close to her. We both were, but she, he was particularly close to, to, to Grandma Crowley. And he was really distraught. He was crying there, standing beside her casket as they were having the visitation. He was really, he was just weeping his little eyes out. And my grandmother, McCool, reached over and patted him on the shoulder and said, Son, it's okay. We're going to see her again. Now, she, did, she didn't go into all the details of justification by grace or by, of, uh, of the ultimate resurrection and all that. She didn't go into all that, but he said that statement made hope blossom in my little heart. He said, I didn't understand it all then. But I said, we're going to see her again? In my mind, I began to think about that. You know, that's the good news. Now, there's more to the gospel than that. And in fact, ultimately, what's the glorious news of the gospel is not that we're going to have a great family reunion in heaven, although that's going to be a wonderful thing. It's that we're going to be with the one who loved us more than Grandma Crowley ever thought about loving her children or her great-grandchildren. We're going to be with the Lord himself. You see... It's the resurrection. That's how we have hope. To an inheritance. He said we've been begotten again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? Everything I got eventually becomes corrupted and defiled and fades away. Everything I got. You know, there have been toys from my childhood that a few of them I made when I was playing around that I wanted to keep for my children and my grandchildren to play with. And, you know, it hadn't been too many years ago that I, I ran over one of them with a lawnmower and just completely destroyed it. <laughs> it faded away. It was, it was everything I got. It's gonna, you got a new car? <laughs> it's been a long time since I had a new car. <laughs> You got a new car, it's going to fade away. It smells great. It smells, that new car smell, it's going to fade away. You know? Everything we have is corruptible and defiled and will fade away except our inheritance that is reserved for you in heaven. I know we believe in the great doctrines of grace where God purposed to save a people from before the foundation of the world. He chose a people in Christ. And sometimes, though, we get to thinking it's like, as I've said this, I've used this before, like taking a scoop and scooping into a grain bin and pulling out a bunch of, uh, a bunch of people to, to be saved. But, beloved, it wasn't like that. He didn't just reach in and grab just any old body. He grabbed you. <laughs> He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Don't be scared of the doctrine of election. The doctrine of election is the sweetest thing you'll ever hear because it tells us that he loved us with an everlasting love. He didn't depend, it didn't depend upon our works. It didn't depend upon our choices because our choices are corruptible and our works are corruptible. Our works, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, he tells us. But God made us righteous with the righteousness of his son because he loved you, child of God before the foundation of the world. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know if we're in the very last time or not, but it sure looks that way, doesn't it? It sure looks like things are getting worse and worse and the things that Paul said would come to pass, that men would be lovers of their own selves and that thing, wickedness would abound and there would be problems like that. And, and it sure seems like we are, but I'll tell you this, if we are in the last times, as scary as you may think that is, that's the time when our salvation is getting ready to be revealed. I love dear old Brother Oliver, as we all did, Brother Oliver Junkin. I won't ever forget, it's been 30 years ago now, we were at a church up in Lamar County, 
And it was about around the time that that David Koresh out in Waco, Texas, that claimed to be Jesus, claimed to be the Messiah, and he had gotten into that compound out there, and, and you know all the tragedy that happened as a result of that. And we were standing around talking about how terrible it was after church. We're talking about a bunch of men. It's, oh, that's awful. That's just terrible. People claiming to be Jesus, that's awful. Brother Oliver said, well, I tell you what, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I looked at Brother Oliver, some of us looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, he said, my Bible tells me when they start saying, lo, here is Christ, and lo, there is Christ, he's a fixing to come back. <laughs> I said, praise God, I had never thought about it like that. <laughs> but you know, when we see the world getting worse and worse, we know our salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's our hope. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith. That's where we are. We're like Florence Chadwick. We're trying to swim that Catalina Island Channel. And we have fog all around us. And the trial of our faith, we're in great heaviness. That the trial of your faith, but he says, that trial of your faith is much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. He said that it might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Whom having not seen you love, in whom though you now see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. See, that's our hope. That's our hope, and we need to keep that in our minds because that's the worldview. Hope gives us an eternal perspective. All the other philosophies of men can only point us to the circumstances around us. Our country seems like it's getting worse. Yes, it looks that way. The world seems like it's going into recession. Yes, it looks that way. Maybe depression. My finances are not doing as well. My retirement account has bottomed out. The troubles that I have, my sickness has come back. My cancer has relapsed. My Parkinson's is getting worse. My diabetes won't go away. I'm struggling. My loved one is dying. My loved one died. All these troubles that are around us, that's all the world can point us to are the troubles around us. But hope gives us an eternal perspective. Over in the second, uh, second Corinthians, over in second Corinthians, Paul writes this in verse, chapter 4. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We are, this is talking about himself now and others like him. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in our body, the, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Now, let me just stop there. All those things he just said don't sound like good things. He said, we're troubled on every side, not just here and there. And if you read over, and I think it's the 11th chapter, He'll list all the troubles he had, the shipwrecks, the, the beatings, the, 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 the lashings that he received. He said, we're perplexed. We're troubled. We, we, we don't even really know what's going on. Persecuted. There are people out to get us. Cast down. He didn't say, oh, we're persevering here. No, he's cast down. Bearing about in his body the dying of the Lord. He says, death works in us. Paul knew he was dying. 
Paul knew he didn't have any hope in this life. But you see, he adds those other things in there where he says trouble but not distress, perplexed but not in despair, cast down but not destroyed. And here's why. Skip down to verse 16. For which cause we faint not. Florence Chadwick fainted about a half a mile from the shore. She just couldn't keep going. You know why? She lost perspective. She lost hope with the fog. But Paul is in the fog of the spiritual battles of this life. And he says, for this, which cause we faint not. Paul's not going to give up. For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Can you imagine him saying that? Like I said, turn over there. I believe it's the 11th chapter. You'll read about it. Oh, he was four times beaten with 39 stripes. He was shipwrecked a couple of times. He was, had to be let down by a basket to get away out of a, out of a, down the wall of a, a city. But he calls it light affliction. Here's why. Because the world says just look around you, but the Christian perspective says look up. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen. And the flip side of that is, child of God, if all you look at is the things that are seen, you will give up like Florence Chadwick. You will quit before you get to the shore. Now, now let me make this clear. I'm not talking about you'll die and go to hell. That's not what I'm talking about because there's not a child of God that's ever lived or ever will live that can die and go to hell. God has saved them for eternity. But we're talking about the spiritual battle here. You'll quit the battle. But here, Paul says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's why you could, he could write to the Thessalonians over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They were struggling with those that had died. They were struggling with the fact that Jesus hadn't come back and some, some had died. And what's going to happen to those that died? In chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. I know people whose hope has been overthrown by the death of a loved one. Why didn't God save him? Why did that have to happen? A lot of times blaming God for the death. When we know death, you can blame that on Adam. <laughs> but he says, I don't want you sorrowing like that. He says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which, are, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, Put on the helmet of the hope of salvation and don't take it off. Because if you do, you'll lose hope. You'll get lost in the fog of war. You'll get lost as you're swimming through the murky waters of this world. We need hope in this hopeless world. And remember, we don't have hope in our faith, but in the object of our faith. Because sometimes my faith fails. 
There was a man that came to Jesus and said, my son has a demon. He keeps being, is an epileptic type demon. And he kept having seizures. He said, he said Lord, I want you to heal him. And, and Jesus said, do you believe? Because all things are possible to them that believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I find myself there every day. I believe, but sometimes I don't believe. Sometimes I lose faith. God, help me. Lord, help me to not. Help strengthen my faith when I slip back into unbelief. We don't have hope in our works, but in the finished work of Christ. Praise God, we don't have hope in our perseverance, but in God's promises. See, without the helmet of hope, we're liable to give up in the battle. Florence Chadwick gave up in the, in the battle. The fog around her caused her to despair of ever reaching the shore. And she was only a half a mile away. Don't let the fog of this world blot out your vision of the shore. Now, I don't want to leave you without completing the story of Florence Chadwick. A few months later, she went back and she successfully swam it. But this time, she remembered that she didn't need to give up when she was so close to the goal. Child of God, we don't know. The Lord could come back before I finish my thoughts here this morning. I pray he does, Brother Mackey. I pray he does. I'm looking forward to our lunch today, but I'll give all that up if the Lord will take us on home to be with him. Don't get lost in the fog, child of God. Keep the helmet of the hope of salvation on, and that'll help you through this foggy, murky world that we live in. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.